Alright, hello everyone and welcome to the second episode of Motor City Revival. No, it's been a long time, but we're back. Yeah, so we are here and, you know, we got a lot to talk about actually. Some preseason action coming up, the Red Wings and the Pistons. But first, before we get started, I want to remind you all, this is a podcast about rebuilding and development. You know, numbers and stats, do mem- they do matter to a certain degree. You know, results, wins, and losses, those will matter. But at the end of the day, this is a podcast that is more so about the general development. How do young players and teams, and especially these teams, you know, having, what, three out of the four teams basically at the bottom of the barrel, trying to reach back to the top. The Tigers, of course, a little bit more ahead of schedule than we thought. And they're going to have some offseason moves to really think about um, in the upcoming months. But for the other three teams, Rubbings, Pistons, and Lions, they've been doing this for a while. The Lions, of course, done their first year. So this is going to be about them getting back to contention, right? But we have to talk about the Lions and really the conversation around this Lions team so far. As you all know, it's week four. They're 0-4. They've looked really good at times. They've looked really bad at times. And from what I've seen, there are really two sides to the aisle about this Lions team. There's the really impatient crowd that's upset with how they've been playing and how the coaching has been. You know, they're too aggressive on fourth down and it's not working. They're making really bad mistakes that are costing them games. And some of these games, if you really think about it, have been winnable. But then there's the other crowd, which is just saying over and over it's a rebuild you have to be patient it's only the first year you have to let them make mistakes you have to let them grow you have to let them you know you know under they they understand that this is not a team that's going to win a bunch of games right we all said it right at the beginning of the year that this was a team that would be lucky to win more than three or four games and so far that's what it's looking like they might win three they might win four. They might even end up not even winning one game. And that's all on the table. But if you really, really think about it, both sides do have a point. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to play both aisles and, you know, not say that, you know, one side is maybe too right or too wrong. But what I am saying is that if you really think about it, yes, this is a rebuild. And yes, there needs to be patience. With this team, with this roster, we understand that the secondary, it's young. Your quote-unquote best corner, Jeff Kuda, is out for the year again. Just like he was out last year, he only played about three or four games. And this year, he only played about, what, maybe a half before getting injured. And he's going to be out for the rest of the year. And who knows what that's going to do to his development. And, of course, with... The offense, yes, you do have a good offensive line, but there are injuries there. Your wide receiver depth, you don't have a true number one. They're really young. So with that being said about the roster, there have been some mistakes that have been made that are, let's just say, inexcusable at any level of football. And I think the reason that the crowd that is really impatient and really mad about what this team has done so far. I think they're mostly mad about what happened week four against Chicago. 
Now, if you look at the other three games, those are games where you would say the Lions are probably going to lose, right? You have a tough first three weeks against the 49ers, against the Packers, in Green Bay, in primetime, and against the Ravens. There are a lot of teams in the league that with those first three games would struggle. And the Lions struggled, but they looked really good at times. You know, 49ers almost came back at the end, almost stole one. And against the Packers, first half, they were leading. They were up by three, and they were driving the ball really well. And, of course, then everything happened. And week three, it took a 66-yard field goal for a Ravens team with an MVP, a unanimous MVP in Lamar Jackson, and a team that people say can not only win the division in AFC North, but can't even be a Super Bowl contender, right? And it took a 66-yard field goal to beat the Lions, right? But the other thing is, this week four game was the first winnable game for the Lions because the Bears looked awful in week three. They looked terrible against the Browns. There was no offense. Justin Fields had nowhere to go. He was getting sacked left and right. The defense did all they could, but at the end of the day, you know, they lost pretty big, and you looked at that. Chicago team you looked at the coaching Matt Nagy was on the hot seat and you're like this is a chance for us to win you know and you're not going to get that many chances this year not with the schedule you have not with playing games against the AFC North and NFC West you're not going to get those chances and what happened this past Sunday week four was really disappointing like even if you think they weren't going to win you thought they would at least look as good as they have the past few weeks in a more consistent way considering how the Bears were. And that didn't happen. You know, you saw a lot of mistakes, especially in the red zone. And red zone mistakes, no matter where you are in terms of organization or a team, those are inexcusable. You have to score in the red zone. You have to drive points. That's the closest you're going to get. It's rewarding long drives. And if you go forward on fourth and you don't get it, it is kind of demoralizing for an offense. And then for a defense... You know, especially defense like this team that's not built to sustain and really, you know, bail out the offense. Like, let's say they don't they, they don't convert on fourth and then, you know, you get first down and now the defense, you're asking them to get a three and out to get the ball back. The Lions aren't really built for that, at least not to do that over and over in one game. And if you really think about it, that's what happened in this game. They went forward on fourth three times only converted once if you look at all the other times they were in the red zone so you had the first turnover in the red zone which was a bad snap by Frank Ragnow Jared Goff was at the line trying to audible probably trying to change something and Ragnow snapped it too early and this was basically after like literally a play after they got bailed out Jared Goff almost intercepted the ball but fell down and the defense got a penalty so they had a second chance they were really Really had a chance to get at least three, but fumbled the snap, and then um, a Bears defender recovered it. So that drive stalled, and you had all these other chances. You had a fourth and five, which is basically a fourth and goal situation, and Goff tried to get um, Swift, and it was tipped, incomplete. You know, that happened. Um, so overall, they went one and three, but really it was the last time. The last um, fourth down, fast fourth down try, that really you know I think kind of got at people, kind of started this conversation about whether the Lions' aggression on fourth down is really necessary or not because it was fourth and one. 
they're down by 10 at this point. They're basically playing to to um, just stay in the game. And some people are saying, hey, just take your three. But I understand people saying take your seven because, hey, you rather get your seven right now while you're in range. And then if you get a stop, all you need is three points rather than kicking three and then getting the stop and then having to drive the length of the field to get seven. Like that makes sense. But fourth and one, golf goes for an out route to uh, Khalif Raymond and it's incomplete. But what really irked me about the play in and of itself was that golf basically stared down Raymond from the snap, right? You could tell by the play, looked at him. And if he had looked for half a second back down the middle, he would see that Quintez Sivas was open right down the middle and that would have converted. And that would have given them a first down and a chance to, you know, keep driving and maybe they score, maybe they don't, but it would have moved the chains. And that didn't happen. And something else that irks me about their fourth down logic, if you can call it that. Jamal Williams, which he has been really good. You know, he's someone that you give him the ball, you know, he might get maybe three yards and he ends up breaking a few tackles and get you five or six. Like that's something, that's someone you need on those fourth and short situations. Jamal Williams got the ball fourth and one, two times against the 49ers. The first time he lost shards, the second time he was able to convert. He hasn't gotten the ball since then. Right, there have been eight more tries, seven more tries, I believe. And I can't recall them running the ball once, which is kind of disturbing if you think about there. They've had a lot of chances on fourth and short, but it seems like they're always going for passes. The same thing happened against the Packers. It was a fourth and one. They were driving. They decided to do basically the same thing they did in the Bears game. It was an out route to Amara St. Brown. This time it was actually defended well by the Packers, and it was a turnover on downs. But they did it again against the Bears, and it didn't work. And so what I'm asking, really from this team, and really from the coaching staff, is why you're trusting Goff and the receivers to convert on fourth and short, but you're not trusting Jamal Williams or DeAndre Swift. And DeAndre Swift is someone throughout the season who has shown the ability to catch the ball and get yards and even be able to run the ball like you can easily put him in fourth and short situations and have him catch the ball in the backfield or run a route and then have him make the decision to get that first down. Like he is trustworthy to do that. And the same thing for Jamal Williams, but for some reason they've gone on these fourth and shorts to go for passes. And for the most part, they haven't converted. They were two for five against the 49ers and they've only converted once since then the past three games and that is frustrating right it's frustrating to not convert a fourth down right it's frustrating for a a team that's so you know that 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 wants to be you know a team that moves the ball that doesn't just settle for three but that aggression is not being met with results and again you don't have a defense to really make up for those mistakes that can get you a three and out and get you the ball again so you can drive again. Like, that doesn't happen. That's not the type of team this is yet, right? And you've had plenty of chances to win, and this was a winnable game. They were one for five in the red zone, basically two turnovers, with Jared Goff 
fumbling on one of those, which was, again, that was pretty frustrating too, that Jared Goff has fumbled so much. He actually fumbled three times. They do call one of the fumbles on him based on the Frank Rack now um, mishandled snap, the missed snap. Um, but he did fumble. He got sacked and fumbled and lost the ball, and the Chicago was able to cover. And then on that drive, um, which led to that fourth and one not being converted. He fumbled the ball again, but he's actually able to, you know, gather it and gain some yards. But the thing is for this team and for their aggression, it really has to be adjusted. It has to be talked about. They can't keep doing this during the season. They don't have the roster for it. They don't have the receivers for it. And even at this point, I don't even think they have the quarterback to really make the right decision, to make the right pass, the right read, to keep moving the chains, right? If you're going to have someone that's going to stare down a receiver going on an out route and he's not going to be able to make the catch, then what are we doing? And again, you know, going forward on fourth down is something that a lot of coaches do now. It's something that has moved over the times. Your chances of winning really come up to a fact where hey can we convert our fourth down or not fourth down is not really a punting down anymore it's not even a field goal down anymore if someone's fourth and short at the two yard line the chances are they're going to go for it because the chances of seven and getting that seven increases your chances of winning increases your probability of winning right they're going with the odds and they're going for the stats but the stats aren't the same for every team the chances that the rams have or the chiefs or the chargers or any of these top teams to convert on fourth down that's dependent on who they have right they have guys they can catch they have quarterbacks that can make the right reads and can make those decisions or they even have really good running games so hey fourth and one like the bears for example they had a fourth and two i believe and they gave it to david montgomery and he gave him nine yards right like those are the type of decisions that teams like that can make the lions aren't there yet and so at this point, unless something changes with the play calling, unless they use Jamal Williams or DeAndre Swift more in those fourth and short situations, I don't see why they go for it on fourth down. At this point, I'd rather them take the points because I don't trust the offense. I don't trust the receivers. And I kind of don't trust Goff to make these decisions and convert these fourth downs yet. I just don't because they have so little chances to win now. This Bears game was the first true winnable game of the season and they don't have many of those anymore and again with the injuries Jeff Okuda's out Romeo Cora suffered a torn Achilles in the Bears game and he's going to be out for the season so you're not going to have what was basically your best pass rusher last year for the rest of the season he's out and Frank Ragnow got out at the first quarter he suffered turf toe he's going to be out for a few games not to mention Taylor Decker is still out so you have these injuries piling up, which really decreases your chances of winning. And these are not small injuries. These are injuries that some of your best players, some of your best young players. It's going to be hard from here on now to win. So at this point, you really got to take the points where you can get them. And yes, that means maybe kicking three at a fourth and goal from your five-yard line. But you can't afford to miss chances to get points, right? Especially the way you're calling plays now. So that's what I have to say about that. And so with the rest of this Lions season, it's going to be tough. And I'm really interested to see what's going to happen. But also, speaking of 
chances. You know, the Lions do have chances to get talent. I heard that Jalen Smith was released by the Cowboys. And we need linebackers. You know, and you may say, well, Jalen Smith isn't a good linebacker. But you got very few chances at this point to get linebackers. You just released Jamie Collins. You're in need of a spot anyway. You know, and I mean, other teams may look for him. They may look at him. But if I'm the Lions, I'm going to at least look at it. I'm going to at least look at Smith. I mean, hey, Cowboys fans, they've been telling you a lot about how he's not effective in a run game. He's not really great in the pass game. But look at our linebackers. We need all the help we can get. And I'm actually kind of interested in seeing what he can do. Maybe a change of scenery is is what he needs, right? You know, maybe, you know, I mean, come on. Who's the defensive coordinator over there? Jason Garrett? Like, (laughs) Jason Garrett? I think Aaron Glenn's a better defensive coordinator than Jason Garrett. That's all I'm saying. You know, and heck, maybe it doesn't work out, but I think the Lions should at least put out a flyer. And I know that's wishful thinking and you know so many other things but hey defense is one of our you know one of our shortcomings so why not add somebody why not add a big body maybe it can work i don't know if it can but maybe all right and also one more thing um about lions fans right like there's the thing lions fans have kind of been in a really bad place for the past few years if you really think about it between Calvin Johnson retiring and now Matthew Stafford's out in LA living his best life with Sean McVay and everything right so these people are not exactly gonna be the most patient but again you gotta understand this is the first time in that I can remember that a Lions team is actually rebuilding and isn't lying in our face about it or at least is actually honest about it because if you think about all the other times it's usually been you know retools or small resets with the roster you know sometimes you add a few guys bring a few guys out maybe you fire gm or something and this is the first time that i can remember the team basically be saying yeah these are a bunch of young guys we're gonna develop we're not gonna win a lot of games but we do want to see some good stuff out there we do want to see some development we do want to see you know our players go out there and they're not just signing old vets trying to win again because if you remember that owen 16 season they were trying to win that year. You know, it wasn't just really bad football players and they were just tanking to get the number one overall pick. No, they were actually trying to win and just couldn't and ended up with the number one pick. And you also have to remember, even for all fan bases, not everybody's looking forward to mock drafts and watching scouting tape and taking in player comparisons and all that some people want to watch football like some people actually want to watch the game they want to watch their team they want to watch their team play well so not everybody is just going to be gung-ho about losing 13 14 games in a year and you know saying well hey let's look forward to april you know i think the scouting combine might be good like no no they're, they're not looking forward to that some people actually want to watch football and Lions fans for all they've gone through any fan base that would not want to watch football they want to watch football so hey you know you got what 13 games left 
There's a lot of football to go around. There's a lot that could happen in the next three months. So, hey, who knows? Maybe they'll win a few games. Maybe they won't. I think if they don't, might be a bit overkill. You don't need to really go 0-17. We've done this before. You don't have to do it again. I'd understand if it happened, but I wouldn't really be happy, and I really wouldn't understand, you know, like, we really expect the Jaguars to only win, what, three games? And we're just going to mess around and not win any? I mean, nah, it's not, it's not good, but we'll, we'll go through, we'll, we're done with the Lions now. Let's let's talk about the Red Wings because the Red Wings, they look fun. You know, I, I tried to watch some games live, but it was really weird. It weren't on TV and it was online. And I'm like, I'm not going to go through all this house to watch preseason hockey. I, I guess I'll just watch some highlights, but they look good. Like Dylan Larkin coming back, you know, you know, getting physical on the ice for the first time. Scored twice on Two power play goals against Columbus in one game. Again, power play goals, that was one of the things that uh, me and Nolan had talked about, just the ability for them to score. And, and speaking of what me and Nolan talked about back in episode one, if you remember, you know, Nolan was like how hard it was for young prospects to get used to the NHL and everything and how it takes time. And I was just like, man, put them on the ice. If they're ready, they're ready. And guess who looks ready? Lucas Raymond. About to mess around and make the team. Just remember, he was drafted last year. The fourth pick of the 2020 NHL draft. And, yeah, I know. He might mess around and make the team right now. He's he's looked really good. He has uh, he had a goal and an assist in this past Monday, uh, Monday game against Chicago. And, again, with the power plays, all four of their goals against Chicago were in the power play. Like, that's, that's crazy, man. This team looks fun. They they look good and Lucas especially, right? Like the way he's been, he's not just someone who can score. He looks like someone who's going to set up goals for other players. And that's exactly what this Red Wings team needs. It's not just guys that are gonna create shots on goal for themselves, but also for other guys. And Lucas is look looking like that. He looks like honestly kinda like a perfect one to punch him and Larkin, at least that's what it looks like so far. Again, it is preseason, you know, regular season hockey and even, you know, posting hockey. Those are three different things. So, you know, he's looking good right now. But if he actually does make the team and I'll be surprised if he doesn't because he looks good enough at least to give him a chance right now, you know, in the regular season. But that's up to the team. But I'm just saying he'll be he'll be really, really fun to watch. If that happens, right? And it just, it sucks because, you know, it's needed for the Red Wings to have one of their young prospects already performing so well, already turning heads. And yet, you got injuries because, if, you know, again, Jacob Bruner, he's going to be out for at least four months to shoulder surgery. That dude went on the ice for like four minutes a few days ago. It's like, my shoulder's not right. And now he's out for at least four months. Like, that's just bad luck. And, you know, for this team, especially all the young prospects they have, you want to have them out there as much as possible, you know, whether it's down in development or whether actually on the team. And it seemed like he was probably going to make the team. And now he's going to be out for at least half the season, if not more or less. 
it's not good. It's not good. But the team's gonna look fun. I'm a, I'm really excited for opening night and really excited to see, you know, what they can do if this, you know, creativity and this goal scoring can continue. But you know, we'll we'll see. Again, it's just preseason, so I'm not getting my hopes up entirely. But they do. It looks like a different team than they've looked the past few years. There's 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 a lot of optimism from the fan base about this team, and I'm here for it. Like I'm I'm really here for it. You know what I'm not? You know what I'm not here for though? I'm not here for all these these injuries, man. Because like I said, we've talked about all the injuries the Lions are having, and yeah, that's football. But it's who those injuries are happening to, and then you have the Red Wings, and now you also got the Pistons with Cade Cunningham. He is apparently suffering from an ankle injury. It's been lingering for a while. Um, he's been limited in practice, and I think the Pistons are doing a good job of not really rushing him back um, onto the court. He's most likely going to miss the preseason opener on Wednesday against the Spurs, I believe. And again, that that also that's also terrible, man. Like we want to see these young guys out there. Right? Okay, can we turn the injury sliders down, please? I mean, I just got here, right? And I want to see these guys play and all know turf toe and shoulder surgery and ankle injuries. Like, come on, right? Turn it down. Turn the sliders down to 40 at least. Come on. I want to see my guys play. Like, we all want to see young guys play. And the thing about injuries for young players, it's entirely different because, you know, Yes, it's physical, and yes, it can stunt the development, but it can also affect them mentally, especially injuries that have you out for the season. You know, even back-to-back, the way it's happening to Okuda, it's it's hard, you know, and that's just less time on the court or on the ice or on the field or whatever. It, it's just not, it's not good for, again, the development. So, again, hoping that the injury isn't too bad to Kate. It doesn't seem like it. You know, there's... Not exactly a timetable for his return, but it doesn't look like something that's going to keep him out for a while. So, again, just just got to hope that everything turns out well. I think that, you know, taking it slow, especially for preseason, it's the best thing for him right now. If you've read anything about Kate Cunningham, you know he is a, you know, he, he wants to be out there. He, he wants to play. He wants to be out there for his team. He's a competitor. But... No, it's always best for a team to kind of protect players from themselves and not really rush to get out there because something that lingers could eventually turn into something serious and you don't want that to happen. So, you know, I'm I'm still expecting him to be to, to play for the season and especially for the opener. But again, we just don't know the severity of the injury. They're taking it slow. Again, a good thing, but uh, we'll see. And also just to really remind you guys, you know, um, you still want to watch the preseason, obviously, because for me, I think one of the big storylines for this Pistons season is going to be the backcourt of K. Cunningham and Killian Hayes. And I think that um, in the preseason, seeing how Killian Hayes performs is going to be really big because I think he's going to be very, very important to this team for the next few years, at least hopefully. And how Cunningham and Hayes work together um, this season is going to be really important, as we all know. Um, Kays is probably, at this point, the better passer. Cunningham's probably the better off-ball threat because of his shooting. So seeing how those two, um, and seeing their chemistry and how it develops through the season, 
that's going to be really important. But I'm very interested in seeing Killian Hayes and seeing, you know, he only played 23 games last year. Some people were calling him a bust for some reason. I think there are just some Pistons fans that weren't really all that high on him in the first place that were just looking for reasons to, you know, maybe move on from him. But we haven't seen much from him, right? So seeing how he plays in these first few preseason games, seeing how he has adjusted to the speed of the NBA and seeing how he's going to play throughout the season, I think that's going to be something to really look forward to. And hopefully um, everyone else, like Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart, hopefully they can keep developing through the season as well. And again, very interesting season for the Pistons. Everyone's eye, everyone's excited. You know, this is the first time in a long time that I think that we've had a, like a fully young squad and everybody's just, everybody's really high in Detroit, right? Everybody's really high in the Pistons. Um, but I've always said that, you know, you should keep your expectations low. They are in a tough division. They're going to play some tough teams. They might get in position for a playing game later in the year, but I wouldn't bet money on it. And this could be a season where maybe they only win you know, somewhere close to 30, 35 games. And, you know, you can't really use that win or loss record as a determinator of whether the season is a success or not. You have to look at, you know, how is Cade getting, you know, better throughout the season? How is Killian Hayes doing? You know, if Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart can keep going for what they did last year being and, and making those all rookie teams, like that's going to be, the big thing and I'm really interested to see what Dwayne Casey does with the roster and how he kind of manages everybody you know maybe Hayes starts maybe he comes off the bench for some games you know I'm not exactly sure but I think really watching their development and watching and especially seeing guys like Jeremy Grant and how he'll handle this because last year he was basically the number one guy on offense but having Cunningham there is gonna really you know lift the load off of him so We'll see how he does. Also knowing that he's probably the best perimeter defender the Pistons have. Um, seeing how he takes that challenge every night uh, against guys like Giannis and um, other guys throughout the league. I think that's also going to be something to really look forward to. And uh, yeah, that is the end of episode two. Uh, a little bit shorter, but the episodes are going to get longer. You know, Red Wing season's coming up. Pistons season's coming up. So we're going to get a lot more from those teams. Tigers are going to be in the offseason, so whatever moves they make, signings, trades, obviously we're going to cover that. But this is episode two. Thank you for listening. <laughs>